0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Shut up and sit down.
1: Hello and welcome back to 4th Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of 4th Down University. Uh, this is about a year into the show, and I, I apologize for my absence the last several weeks. I think it's been four now. Uh, biggest break we've had. I, I had a baby boy. Um, uh, he was nine pounds. He was pretty big. Not as big as me. I was 10'9", but uh, he's been a blessing. I have, I have two young daughters. I know most of you guys know that, but... We've now uh, welcomed a boy to the Lundy family and it's been a blessing but again I've stepped away a little bit for that and kind of get back into it and really what led me to today I was planning on coming back in July is I I ran into a guy I really like just met him online just through social media Um, I think he's interesting so he had uh, an hour tonight to sit down with me so. Um, before we meet him, I'd like to remind you about our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including odds on in the NBA Finals, fights, next season's futures, and don't forget that baseball is back. Who's your pick to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas, casino and poker games. It's easy to get started. So head to the website or use your mobile device to join by using our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Episode 75 of the podcast welcomes Evan Burke, an author, keynote speaker, leadership coach, and a podcast host. He specializes in leadership, performance, and building winning cultures. As a former NFL and college football coach, Burke knows how to bring teams together, overcome adversity, elevate individuals to achieve at their highest level. And in 2022, he released his first book. It's called Finding Intangibles. This helps organizations identify hidden traits that drive elite performers and championship teams. Burke is also um, hosting a weekly leadership podcast. It's called The Highest Level. Evan, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing?
0: Dan, I I am doing great today. And first of all, congratulations on the birth of your son. Uh, Very cool for you to cut your break short to, to bring me on the show, but I'm really excited to chat with you today as well
1: absolutely man no that this is i enjoyed doing this but as you know I, we we need some time away and i think that was enough and this feels right so i'm glad to kick it off uh, back with a guy like you so i want to begin with your coaching journey because as as you know i'm a coach that's what i do i used to teach but i hung up teaching about 4 years ago to hone in strictly on the coaching um, you have an unusual path to the NFL. I'd like you to share how your coaching career started, because I thought that was fascinating, and uh, quickly where it went uh, in your transition from a Pop Warner level, and in a few short years to to the major stage, the NFL.
0: Certainly. Uh, well, to start with, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and uh, grew up during a time when the Dallas Cowboys were were actually a good football team, and. Uh, Just kind of probably fell in love with the sport early on, Um, just, you know, young in grade school. I didn't actually play until I was uh, in high school. So uh, I was a wrestler and a football player at at a high school that I went to here in Dallas, Texas, and um, was not anything special in the field, but I was really always drawn to leadership. I was captain of both of those teams my senior year. And um, when I went to college at the university of Colorado, I was not recruited to play any sports, I went there strictly to go to business school. And I think after a year, I just kind of felt that something was missing. And I think that anybody that has been involved in sports from a young age, uh, and really just kind of always had that as as a huge piece of their life, and, and maybe a pillar, so to speak, Uh, loses something when when that kind of leaves them uh, for college. And I just felt like I wanted to try and reconnect in some way with being around the competitive nature of sports and being around a team. Uh, So that led me to starting to coach youth sports, uh, uh, in particular basketball and soccer at the local YMCA there in Boulder, Colorado. And after a couple of years, I got my first coaching job, so to speak, as a volunteer uh, coach of a fourth grade tackle football team through the Boulder rec center so uh, those were the humble beginnings of my coaching career and uh, you know I was probably about 20 21 years old when I did that and I think my last year in Boulder I coached at a local high school Fairview high school there in Boulder and uh, from there was able to uh, have a 12 year NFL and college career after I left Boulder so, was really fortunate in the experiences is that I had in, in my career, and I'm sure we're going to visit about that here in just a second, but uh, you are right. It, it was a very unconventional path uh, for any of the coaching fans or, or sport fans out there. You're probably aware that a lot of coaches are former high-level college players, uh, professional players, or uh, they are the son of an NFL executive or an NFL coach. Those are the two typical paths to being a high level college or professional coach. Um, And and I did have a very unconventional path to say the least from going from fourth grade football to the NFL in six years.
1: Yeah. I I didn't want to give that away, but six years, you know, Oh, well, no, 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 no. I'm saying like, I, I I didn't want to steal your thunder when I introduced you, but Six is ridiculous. I think people, when I said, oh, it was a short amount of time when he transitioned from Pop Warner to the NFL, I think the expectation was probably like, yeah, 10, 20 years, whatever he paid his dues, congratulations. But no, I think it's beginning with the end in mind. I think when people have the end in mind and they know a clear definitive what it is that I want, I think it exponentially gets faster to, to the end. And not always, but there's there's a trend there. Um, so whereas I think some people just kind of want to just take the next positive step no matter what it is it makes me feel good it makes my parents feel good or my my wife um but uh if, if there's not an end in mind i think that it's going to be a long process regardless of wherever you end up um i wanted to go now into your book a little bit the finding intangibles uh it was released in 22 this year uh and know i was reading a little bit uh, of i read a review i read your synopsis on your website and it's told from your perspective and your perspective as a coach which i really find interesting and uh in reading about the book i I loved um this thought it was stop judging people on talent and start prioritizing character um especially when you're talking about allocation of talent like you know recruiting uh, which is a major major subject on the show and i tell my kids all the time evan that uh it's competitive especially at this you know fbs level where there's probably you know a short list of five or six kids of the best in the nation that you're competing with and all of you guys are excellent students but what about you just in general as a person when you walk into a room are they going to get a good feeling about everything how how you look at them do you smile Are, are you engaged are you listening are you asking good questions um, so I think it's important that you, uh, elaborate on this thought that you shared in your book and finding intangibles, stop judging, uh, start prioritizing character.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this, as you mentioned, this is really kind of told through the lens of my, uh, near 20 years working with elite athletes and, and teams at the highest levels, And I I noticed something very early on, um, you know, I was kind of sharing that I was a fourth grade coach and a high school coach. And then after that, I coached at SMU and, uh, you know, I was 22, 23 years old. I was an ops volunteer. So I was really just passing out Chick-fil-A's. Um, so I really wasn't in a position to be like raising my hand in meetings and asking a ton of questions or injecting my thoughts. But I can even remember back then kind of sitting in on the recruiting meetings early on and nobody bringing up character, nobody bringing up, uh, you know, a really great family that we just had a visit with. Everything was just talking about their talent. Uh, And I remember thinking, like, that seems wrong to me, but I have no idea. I was coaching fourth grade football, planning pizza parties uh, 18 months ago. Like, I have no idea. I'm just happy to be here. And I think like that thought always was in the back of my mind. And it wasn't until I started to kind of grow and mature through my career that I started to meet some coaches uh, that thought the same way that I did. And it just so happened that these were coaches that had coached at on championship teams, Right, that had had worked with Pete Carroll at USC, that had worked with Bill Belichick at the New England Patriots. And you started to see these patterns that all of these championship teams, uh, while we all look at them and we admire their talent, uh, they're not built on talent. They're actually built on character. And this is a common theme that you see throughout the elite performers and championship teams, uh, which is what my book is about. And it is really this... Um, understanding that I, in my book, I talk about the talent paradox. And it's really this understanding that talent is essential to success, but success is not determined by talent. And what that really means is that like to, to play, let's just take the NFL, for example, to play in the NFL, like you have to have a baseline level of talent. You have to be um, have such, such and such speed. You have to be such and such size Um, there's just certain limitations to the level of talent that is allowable, uh, at that highest level, right? Like we're all aware of that. Um, but there's something else, uh, that is like very true, which is, is that like, when we start to look at like the very best in the NFL, their success has very little to do with the talent. Even though we look at Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and say like, "Wow, they're the best quarterbacks. They're the best throwers of the football." Well, I, and I'm a little older, maybe than some of the audience, but like back when I was coming through college, uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, like while good and notable college quarterbacks, were were not overwhelming, uh, you know, face of every magazine type quarterbacks. They were obviously not, you know, picked at the top of the draft they had to really work and hone their craft. And like, when you really start to reverse engineer it, why did they do this? Well, they had in like an extreme competitive competitiveness about them. They had an extreme passion and love for the game. Uh, It was so important to them. Uh, You know, for Tom Brady in particular, he is the greatest teammate there is in the NFL. You started to see these common themes in not only the elite performers, but also the elite teams as well. And so that was really kind of the idea behind the book is that from my early time in in coaching college, I kind of felt that that was really important and I was seeing it play out on the field um, and it goes the other way too. People that have a lot of talent and maybe it's not all all there in terms of their character. Uh, and I and I will just say, Dan, quickly. You know, I think character sometimes can maybe get misconstrued as we're talking about politeness. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about. Uh, the character, the intangible traits, the, uh, the unseen characteristics that make a person who they are. And um, those were really the things that I became passionate about, not only in my own recruiting as a coach, uh, but I also did this in study as well. I, I went to grad school at SMU. I was there for four seasons as a grad assistant uh, and had the ability to graduate from that, from that program. And my master's thesis was actually written on talent acquisition within college athletics. And so that was really kind of the start around, I guess this was 2014, 2015 of like a deep research and study into the methods that are used by the best teams and best coaches, And and kind of like these common threads that you see throughout sport, and really, honestly, throughout any high high performing team. Uh, And um, this was just a continuation of an obsession and a passion I've always had for learning about these things. And um, that that's really kind of like where the book came from. And and at its heart, the book is really about how do you build a a winning culture. And I wanted to write a book that was about building a winning culture without using the word culture and the way that you do that in my opinion is it starts with the people that you bring into the building it is not about the phrases and the words that you have up on the wall Um, I've seen too many coaches and I've been in too many meeting rooms where coaches point at the wall and they say do we not are we not a tough smart football team well it says it on the wall coach I'm not going to deny that But like, what are we doing every day to promote being a tough and smart football team? Besides just saying it over and over and over again, I can remember early on in my career, a coach being in front of the team and him saying, "Um, guys, we need to develop a road mentality. When we go on the road this week, we need to have that road mentality. We need to win. And I was at a program that hadn't won a road football game in five years, which means nobody in that room had won a road play. I had run had won a road game. So what are we talking about if we're just saying road mentality? There was no definition to that. Um, and I think that happens a lot of times with teams is that we we get caught up in, in what we think we are without actually reverse engineering it. Not only in what we promote as a culture and what we reward within our team environment, but most importantly any college coach will tell you the biggest piece to success or failure of a team is going to be affiliated with the people and the players specifically that they bring into that locker room. And um, if that's the most important thing, why would you leave it up to chance? And this book does not give you the answers to the test. It does not create a perfect formula. That means every single player that you're bringing into your team is now going to be a high performer or reach their potential. But what it does do is give you a formula to reduce the uncertainty that is inherent in the recruiting process, uh, whether we're talking about an NFL franchise or we're talking about any performance driven industry. So, uh, as you can tell, I start to get super fired up about all of these different topics. But, um, you know, as as I mentioned, at its heart, it's really a book about building a winning culture within your football team.
1: So here's here's what I like my takeaway I've coached kicking for 21 years and I realized very early that the evaluative or evaluation camp side of things had been monopolized there was two or three guys that kind of took their grip into that and they owned it so instead what I did was I said well look I, my passion is in coaching and I realized that people can evaluate specialists pretty well just like they can evaluate anything and everything there, there's a big market for that in sports in general um, but instead, what I want to do is I want to train, you know, I, I love to find someone and mold them into the best version of themselves, you know, extract extraneous things, you know, take away variables so they're more repeatable because that's really what we're trying to do is kicking right and, 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 and punting we're trying to just do the same thing be sustainable, and then if we deviate from normal get right back to normal with, by identifying what it is that brought us away from normal, and I know I'm going to get somewhere with this. But my, my point is this, is like, I was on the phone yesterday with a number of schools and very good schools, schools that people watch play on Saturdays on national television. And these coaches call me not for, hey, is Billy better than Alex? But no, what they call me instead and say is we know Billy and Alex is rating with so and so. However, we also know that Billy and Alex go to see you periodically in a private setting and you challenge these kids and you tell these kids their deficiencies and you tell these kids that needs to go away. And believe it or not, I'm sure you can attest. Uh, everyone responds to the, that feedback differently, and it shows through performance. It shows through the performance and training. Um, it shows through the drills. It shows through the film review. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that character is everything, but I pretty much am. Um, their ability, it it'll, it'll get there. They're going to be the best version of themselves through the character, right? Um, My coaching is a byproduct, of course, but I think that there's something that we control within us that's more powerful than everything else, right? Things outside of it will take care of themselves, but it's really hard to look internally. So I love what you said that you, you don't provide all the answers to the test, but you're going to bring some things to the forefront that must be considered in order to make change. And I think that that's valuable. So I appreciate that. Is that kind of fair to say or?
0: Oh yeah 100%. I mean like just hearing you kind of like talk there for a second it makes me think like and I just want to say like this really at the heart of it is a book that I wanted when I was 24 years old and like I was starting to like recruit and I was starting to like define what my philosophies were. There's nobody that teaches you this stuff. Um I don't want to get down this rabbit hole and start going on a rant about the deficiencies in coach development within college, the college ranks and the the pro ranks. Um, But there's no certification. There's nobody that teaches you. And, you know, it's a lot of, um, you know, coach, coach Bruce treated me like absolute crap. So I have to treat Evan like absolute crap. So he (laughs) knows exactly how hard this has to be. (laughs) And um, that's not what anybody needs. I don't care what coach Bruce did to you or what hardships you had to go through. Um, I needed somebody to kind of like, sit down with me and say like, Hey, you know, everybody's going to tell you to, to recruit talent, but like, what else are you going to be looking for? Right. Uh, what type of questions do you ask when you are sitting there talking to the head coach? Cause if you ask the head coach, Hey, does your absolute best player, the most notable player to come out of your high school, uh, in the last 30 years, it, does he have a good work ethic? Uh, I can tell you what a hundred percent of the call of the high school coaches are going to tell every college coach that sits in their office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, coach. He's great. He's great. Right. Like we all know this. They benefit from having a division one school. Now, listen, a lot of my uh, I have a unique experience, not only path through coaching, but I coach at every single level. Pop Warner, high school, division three, division two, division one, high level division one, and then the NFL. So I was at all those different levels and I was in all of those high school coaches offices, right? And obviously some of this, if we're talking about the best player to come through a high school in 30 years, yeah, that's going to be, you know, a power five conference, but who's really going to tell you what's up? Like the the high school coach will not tell you unless you have a a previous relationship with that person, which for any college coach is near impossible to have with all of the places that you go. So like, how do you do that? Um, So in my book, I kind of outline the things, like I said, that I would have wanted to know as a 24 year old. So like, what are you looking for when you scout them in person? what type of questions should you be asking to their teammates or the people around the program to find out about that person? Who do you go see when you're in the high school uh, to find out the true character of that person? Uh, So these were kind of like the things that, that the coaches that I saw that were doing it well. uh, And I was such a nerd during my coaching career that I kind of like picked these people out and, you can tell because those are the things they talk about in the recruiting meetings, the coaches that don't know what they're talking about going to the recruiting meetings. And they're like, yeah, coach, like he's great. He'll be great at this level. Have you seen his hands, his speed, blah, blah, blah. The coaches that actually are the good evaluators and the good recruiters and actually know what they're doing. Um, the thing is, is like judging talent is easy. If you are a legitimate college coach, like you should be able to determine The talent level, like that's the easy part. The hard part is, okay, now this person's on our campus. What are they going to do? The University of Texas probably should have seven national championships over the last 25 years. Without a doubt. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, I'm, I'm being kind of facetious and trying to be funny, but like, honestly, they should have the best recruiting class every single year. They're, they're pulling from the absolute best pool. They have very little competition on the top guys. If they offer somebody, they're getting them right. Like they are, they are the number one college program of all time, uh, in terms of recruiting. And yet something's not connecting time after time, high, high paid coach after high paid coach. Well, what is it? Well, what it really kind of goes back to is, is that just because you recruit five-star talent does not mean that they're going to be successful. Again, talent paradox, talent is essential to success, but success is not determined by talent. You can have a team full of talent and you can win eight games a year in college football. Right. But like, I am not here to win eight games and nothing that I ever did in my coaching career, nothing that I do now in my speaking or my writing or my leadership coaching is about winning eight games. Um, I I don't operate that way. Um, I'm here to dominate. I'm here to blow the top off of my potential and that's what I'm looking for in my recruits. So I'd much rather take a guy with, uh, you know, talent that can get by, with that character where I know when the chips are down, like I can count on this person. Um, and, and so I think like ultimately at the end of the day, I always think of it this way. The hardest thing to do in sports is to hand a 22 year old, uh, you know, a million dollar contract and know how they're going to respond. <laughs> right. Right. How does somebody respond respond to success? Now, this probably needs to be updated because of NIL has kind of like blown the lid off of all of this. But, you know, for a long period of time, college players aren't being played, aren't being paid. Now they're 22 years old. Now they're signing a million dollar contract. And I think this, you know, the reason I brought up Texas is like, I think this is the problem that University of Texas has had with their football team. is like when you sign on that dotted line, do you think oh, man, I've made it. Or do you want the guy that signs on that dotted line and thinks, okay, now I can get to work. And this book is all about finding those guys that sign on the dotted line and understand that now is the time to get to work.
1: Complacency, we talk about that often on the show. It's a very ugly word um, because it leads to stagnation or you just start declining, you start just... You can care less, you know. Um, Wow, a lot of thoughts going through my head, and I just want to talk about Nick Saban for a second. I I don't like him, per se. I'm not not an Alabama fan, but I appreciate what he's done. Uh, I've worked at his camp several years uh, with his kicking camps, and I've been around him. I've been around Urban Meyer, too, and it's unfortunate what's going on with him lately, but just speaking about football and coaching, we're talking about success and identification of not only talent, but making this talent work, the chemistry, if you will, I know that's a, a buzzword people use a lot, but re- really what it is, is to be find the right talent that's humble enough to work with others and an assembly, you know, assembly of five stars that that want to share, you know, and that's not that's not always the case with a five star. Right. A lot of these guys want to be the premiere, the feature, the show and that, that doesn't really work in the end with teams. Uh, those teams usually get beat when there's one person that you're fully reliant on. So I, yeah, I, I think it's what, what you're saying is, is so powerful. And I love what you said too, about it's unfortunate, but it's not being taught, you know, that this isn't a part of anyone's curriculum. This isn't a part of anyone's professional development. Um, I'm not saying anyone's that's hyperbolic, but I think for the majority of people this is not a part of their curriculum and this has never been introduced as far hey, here, here's a, here's a weekend we're all going to get away and talk about these things N- this is not talked about and i and i don't know why and m- maybe you could share that at the end but i wanted to talk real quick about the podcast too um i'm curious it's what i know the least about you uh but i am a podcaster and so are you and you're fantastic to listen to you are a great storyteller um it's called the highest level. Uh, I'd like you to share um, really because it's kind of like me being selfish here, but if someone was going to ask me about my show, I'd want them to say, hey, Dan, can you share some experiences uh, with the guests you've had on your show? Like some things I hope that you've learned from them uh, about yourself through hosting it.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I um, the the podcast is called the highest level, and it really sits at the intersection of sports and leadership, and really just kind of examines how championship teams are built and what leadership excellence looks like at the highest levels. And so, I'm typically interviewing athletes and coaches and team executives. And talking about their experiences, uh, both their career path, but also the the great teams that they've been on and lessons that they've learned. Um, and you know, if somebody's written a book or or maybe I found an article about them that I really want to dig into, um, we'll we'll talk about stuff like that, much like we're doing here today. But um It's been really enjoyable. I mean, like, I think I had shared this with you when we first connected a lot of the conversations I'm having on my podcast are conversations I was having with coaches, um, long before the podcast, right. Like, um, you know, just sitting at breakfast, talking for an hour on, Oh, what was it like when you worked for this coach? Oh yeah. Listen to this story. And like, I always love those, those conversations because like, that's how you learn, you know, you were saying a moment ago about like, why is this not taught? Like, That's how it's taught. But like, you have to go seek that out. You have to like sit there with a coach, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of young coaches probably want to sit there and talk to an older coach for an hour to get like that one, three minute story that can change their mind on, on how they view going walking into a high school to recruit a young man as a young, as a young college coach. Um, And I think that I, I appreciate you acknowledging my storytelling uh, abilities i think that's something i've definitely tried to work on over the last couple of years um and i think like you were asking about like what how i've grown in my podcast i think like you have to uh i've gotten a lot better at asking questions if you can't tell if you just give me a microphone in dead dead air like i have no problem filling it <laughs> dan yeah. i don't know if you can t- i don't know if that's coming through sure but like you know that's something I had to rein in uh, in terms of I don't need a three minute setup to ask this question. Uh, personally, I, I noticed that I was doing that very early on, so I was trying, and I and I still kind of stumble. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll notice that like oh, I didn't need to tell that little mini story leading into that question. So I think it's made me become a better uh, question asker, and I'm still I'm still improving in that in that realm. But I think another thing that it also does is it, it really, I believe my job as a podcast host is as a storyteller. And really, this is mirrored in the speaking that I do, uh, because a lot of the speaking that I do is sharing the lessons through what I experienced in my career and through sports, um, you know, using sports as that background to teach these valuable leadership lessons on team building and culture building. And um, I really have done a lot of studying on like storytelling and what that what that is like and, and how to engage my guests and how to get them to open up. Um, and I really view myself as the guide of their story when they come on to my show. So A lot of my research is kind of done in in preparation of understanding in my head a framework of where I want to take the conversation, both to share their story and to highlight them. But also, there's always something I want to learn from that guest, whether it's like how they developed Um, you know, their, their coaching philosophy, maybe it's something around, uh, something they said one time on a podcast about team building, uh, you know, somebody in particular that I really looked up to that I felt fortunate to have on my show was Michael Lombardi, who I followed a lot of his writing and, you know, since the early days of his podcast and, um, you know, just kind of like I could have spent three hours on that podcast with him, but there were certain things I wanted to know. You know um, the first question I asked him was what was it like to be Bill Walsh's driver, um, personal driver, which was like his first role with the San Francisco 49ers. So my first role was passing out Chick-fil-A's uh, at SMU. And uh, his first role was, you know, private driver for <laughs> Bill Walsh. And it was really interesting. And, and I think that's something too, that I kind of pride myself on is I always like to do a little bit of research and kind of come at my guests with a little, something a little different. Um, I dig a little deeper. Like I don't want to hear about winning a championship with the new England Patriots, I want to hear about how Bill Belichick attacked the complacency that was inevitably going to be there meeting one day, one of the next season. Uh, Or I want to hear about what has changed about Bill Belichick and what has stayed the same since he worked with him in Cleveland. So um, I kind of try my best to, to don't, to not do the three thousand level, uh, three thousand foot or ten thousand foot level storytelling, and, and really try and hone in on maybe two or three things I'm trying to learn from each guest. But it's really been a fun process of like growing as a podcast host, and and I feel like I'm still growing. And uh, it's just really an exciting way to have conversations. I would be wanting to seek out um, already, but then additionally having the ability to share their stories with my audience and. Um, and honestly, teach great lessons through their stories as well.
1: I, let's, let's draw a parallel with our, our discussion today. There's a lot of people that podcast, and I can tell when listening, because I, I check out a lot of different types of podcasts. I really enjoy driving or working, you know, as long as I'm not really studying something, I can, I love listening in on people. And I think the best podcasters, whatever best means, but best to me are the ones that go a little bit further and find those golden nuggets or those questions where they came to a dead end when researching people. Um, I hate the lazy question, right? I I don't want to hear the obvious that we already, already know. But I think that that is, you know, you're trying to appeal to everyone, the masses, but I like the ones that don't care that are like, you know, I, I'm going to ask him about the toothbrush, uh, you know, he was using in that documentary. Why did you choose that color? Was that just, was that your daughter's? And I think that opens up a lot of other thoughts and, you know, it shows you care, right? It shows the character is what I was saying about John Parallel. I think that that's the character in podcasting, right? It's like a g- going above and beyond. Obviously no one's asking you because it's yours, it's your show. Um, but in doing so it's for the betterment of everyone listening to the show and it's making the person on the other end, feel like you care, you're really dug in. And, um, so yeah, we, we share that, like hearing you say that, I feel very, very similar. Um, uh, Evan, it was a pleasure, um, having you join us. I'd like you to share as always, uh, I always ask this at the end, a couple of ways that someone could listen to you, uh, check you out, reach out.
0: Sure thing. Well, uh, as we were talking about my podcast, it is called the highest level podcast and it is on all, uh, podcast platforms. Uh, my book is called finding intangibles and that is available on Amazon. And, uh, to get in touch with me, you can check out my website, coach Burke is spelled B U R K. Uh, and I'm also on as many social media channels as I can keep <laughs> up with at coach Evan Burke, uh, is is uh is my uh, username so uh check me out on any platform there as well
1: i really appreciate that so yeah you are literally on everything i i have discovered since meeting you um uh, it's uh it means a lot to me of course but i think this means a lot to all of us at fourth down focus that you were able to come on today and and share your story please give us a five-star rating a review subscribe to the show if you haven't already and share it with a friend if you have questions suggestions for uh future topics or maybe a guest if you just have feedback for the podcast or you just want to maybe just say hey uh my um my handle is on my let's see twitter it's at fourth down you facebook and linkedin you could find me at dan lundy that's l-u-n-d-y Instagram is also at fourthdownu, and my website is fourthdownu.com. As you can tell, this is my first time back in a while, but uh, I think most of you guys know how to get a hold of me, and I really appreciate you being patient. I hope you enjoyed this, and I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by BetOnline. We'll see you next week. Thanks.
0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Psst. Hey, it's me, your barista. So, you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. Who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome.
1: New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious.